welcome to the Messy Antics Podcast, a podcast about all things Messianic Judaism. Each episode, we will be sharing our opinions as we tackle some of the biggest issues in Messianic Judaism. Now, here's your hosts, Rabbis Eric, David, Jonathan, and Toby. Shalom. We're going to have what I hope will be an exciting conversation today about Yeshua and Torah and Paul and Torah. In other words, we believe in Yeshua. We believe he's the Messiah of Israel. We believe that he came and fulfilled Torah. We believe that uh, he presented to us an understanding of Torah that we then apply to our lives as believers. But did his coming bring a change to Torah, or did it bring a clarification? How do we look at uh, the interaction between Yeshua and the Torah and then the Talmudim or the disciples of Yeshua, and as the primary author of the majority of the Brit Kadashah, how did Paul look at that? How did he, as a Pharisee, who claimed he was a Pharisee all the way through his his life, still continued being the Pharisee. How did he, as a Pharisee, walk the Torah out as a disciple of Yeshua who was affected by the death, burial, and resurrection, by the story of the good news? So we want to have a conversation about that because this is like really intricate to who we are as Messianic believers and really should be intricate to who all people who follow Yeshua are. The promised um, Jewish yeah, Messiah. The promised Jewish Messiah should look. Yeah. So I hope that this will be something that is enlightening. Uh, we're all going to share our thoughts on this, and we hope that it helps you. And at the end of the podcast, if you have any questions or comments, pe- feel free to comment on either the social media or on our YouTube channel or wherever so that we can uh, dialogue further about this. But this really is a primary uh, position a primary issue to us as Messianic believers. After all, Yeshua said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to bring it to fullness. So what exactly does he mean when he says that? So so I want to establish a uh, a foundation to begin with, which is that when, and we've talked about this before on Messiantics, but when we talk about Torah observance and, and whether or not we should and what that looks like, we are not at all connecting Torah observance to anything to do with earning salvation. All right, so I just want to predicate that out the gate. I mean, we had a whole episode on legalism and what it is, what it is, and et cetera. Uh, But I I want to preface that because I know at some point somebody's just going to read the title of this and send us a man. I can't believe you guys. So just we're going to lay that out there up front. We're not talking about earning salvation or brownie points in heaven or anything along those lines, but the Torah was given to Israel. The nations are grafted in through Messiah into the commonwealth of Israel. What is the relation that the body of Messiah today should have with Torah as followers of the promised Jewish Messiah who kept the Torah perfectly? Uh, Now, that doesn't mean he kept everything in the Torah because not everything related to him, but he kept everything perfectly. Um, Yeah, so as we discuss this, uh, it's important, did... In fact, Yeshua's coming, his living, his dying, his being resurrected, did it bring a change about to the Torah, to the understanding of Torah, to the observance of Torah, to the requirements or responsibility to Torah? And if so, what does that look like? And if not, then how do we address Torah as believers uh, through Yeshua, through our faith in Yeshua as the primary. So so those are discussions. And then Paul, who takes a lot of heat, people say Paul changed Torah, Paul went this, Paul did this, Paul. But the, the reality is when you read Paul in context uh, to what he's teaching, it does not appear that he's anti-Torah in any way. But it does teach that just as Rabbi David just said, Torah isn't what redeems us or saves us. It's faith in Messiah Yeshua who came to fulfill all righteousness, and that's what brings about our redemption. But that doesn't change the fact that we as believers should have a lifestyle that demonstrates our faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, For me, I think that what Yeshua did was, which was, I mean, Rabbi David and I talked about this um, earlier this week about how 
the revelation of God in Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, what God is doing, if you start in Genesis and you move forward, you know, through the Old Testament or the Tanakh, you know, uh, God is very progressive in how he's revealing his plan. You know, he starts with Adam and Eve. He starts with humanity. And then sin enters in. And then he progresses to Abraham. And then from Abraham, he births a people. And then he progresses into Moses. And then he's building a nation. And he's progressing. He's pro- Everything is progressing, to what I think is to the not, again, you know, and I've said this in messages before. I said, God did, Messiah Yeshua is not a plan B. He is the ultimate expression of what God intended for mankind. So what I think Yeshua does with the Torah, and it's so funny, and uh, you know, uh, that uh, a lot of people, and again, I, I listen to a lot of Christian radio. It's very encouraging. God speaks to me through Christian radio, through hearing you know, spirit-filled pastors that are blood-bought by Messiah just like I am. But they say things like this. Well, one of the things that you know, Jesus did is he freed us from the law. And I said, and I'm like, no. If anything, he made it more part of us. You know, in Jeremiah thirty-one, I, I will, I will, um, I will, um, I will make a new covenant, which in Hebrew actually means renewed. I will make a renewed covenant where I will write the laws on your heart. So it's even more part of you. Um, so I think that what Yeshua does is he make he, he the, what the new covenant does is it places the law inside of us, and the Spirit of God directs us. Now, what Paul and 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 you know, when I think of these guys, when we, I think a lot of times, still, and even I fall into it, is we look at guys like Peter and John and James as like the paintings on the, in the church, is these guys with halos around their heads. These were guys like, like, like all of us, like, like any one of us. And you can imagine that how difficult it was after Yeshua came and did something so revolutionary, and then he left, and now they're like, Okay, what do we do? We have two problems. Not problems, but we have two things that are happening now. We have the Torah that that Yeshua said, I didn't get rid of it. And now we have the nations coming in. And then Paul comes in, of course. And so he's answering all these questions and dealing with all these problems as they're happening. And it's so complex. Mm -hmm. But I think what ends up happening, too, is that – so. Yeshua didn't get rid of the law. If anything, it's placed in our hearts. But now we have the, the, the letters of Paul, which make up a, a large part of the I – mean, again, Paul's quoted, I think, more than Yeshua is, especially in the church, uh, especially regarding the Torah. Beca- because you can read – you can take one scripture out of, say, Colossians or one scripture out of Galatians and say, you see – you know, Paul's saying that this stuff doesn't matter anymore. Like, like in Colossians, when he says, or, or it's either Galatians or Colossians, where he says, some people like this day, it's some, some Colossians. people like that day, and some people, some people like Sunday, some people like Saturday. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, that's not what he's saying. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and Paul's writing in Galatians, uh, one of those verses that people use pulled out of context is the verse it's 19 verse 19 of chapter 5 it said i'm sorry verse 18 but if you are led by the ruach you are not under the law so paul is saying if you're led by the spirit of god you're not under the law but the next thing he says is this now the deeds of the flesh are clear sexual immorality impurity indecency idolatry witchcraft hostility strife jealousy rage selfish ambition ambition dissension factions envy drunkenness carousing and things like these i am warning you just as i warned you before that those who do such things shall not or will not inherit the kingdom so he says if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law but then right after that he lists a whole bunch of laws mm-hmm. that he says if you do these things you won't inherit the kingdom. And one of those laws, interestingly enough, is impurity listed in, and I'm reading from the TLV, but other Bibles have it as uncleanliness and and different things. But that has to do with ritual impurity. Mm. So Paul is speaking to the Galatians and saying, you're not under the law for your redemption. You've been filled with the Spirit. You're led by the Spirit. However, you still have to do these things and abide by these commandments. And right. if you violate these commandments, you shall not inherit the kingdom. And he goes all the way down to the ritual purity laws right. that he's talking about. We, we did a, a podcast on where we talked about immersion and, and how you go through immersion. It's part of the ritual purity laws. And 
and how when Peter is uh, is discussing uh, going to Cornelius' household and, and God shows him this vision and says, what I've made clean, call no man unclean. He's talking about being ritually pure before God because of what God did right. in his heart. So ritual purity is not something that uh, we don't talk about it much, but Paul seems to talk about it a lot when you read his writings as just as important to be ritual pure as it is not to commit fornication or not to commit uh, witchcraft or or idolatry. It's in the same list of things Mm -hmm. that we need to understand that that while we're not obeying the Torah to uh, achieve our redemption, Mm -hmm. that as redeemed people, these are things we need to avoid doing by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, because if we violate these things, if we do these things, we shall not inherit the kingdom. Right. Uh, and, and this is, is really serious stuff that Paul's speaking about. And he, so he's not doing away. His statement that you're not uh, set led, uh, if you're led by the rule, if you're not under the law, is not doing away with the law. Right. It's showing us the motivation for being obedient to God in how we walk as believers, which ultimately is what Yeshua did when he said that, that he wants us to uh, to live for him. Now, earlier, Rabbi Eric uh, referenced uh, Matthew 5, where Yeshua says, uh, mm-hmm. come, not come to do away with it or abolish it or the Torah or the prophets, but to fulfill them, uh, and so on. But he goes on in verse 19 and says, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others the same shall be called the least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps and teaches them, this one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on in verse 20 and says, uh, for I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and Torah scholars, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. And everybody loves to, especially in Messianic Judaism, Matthew 5, 17 through 20 is like, that is the the preeminent passage to prove why we are and uh, why we do what we do and, and why we are who we are and so on. But I think it's important, uh, Rabbi Toby and I were talking about this actually on the way over to Bradam to record uh, this morning and we were talking about this. You know, He says, uh, unless your righteousness uh, exceeds or supersedes or surpasses that of the Pharisees and Torah scholars, you should never enter the kingdom of heaven. And if we stop there, there's zero context, right? Okay, your righteous have to subsede, uh, supersede the, the Pharisees, but what does that look like? Like, you got to keep the commandments better than them? You got to, like, what does that look like? Right. But then everything else, everybody loves to talk about the Sermon on the Mount, right? But nobody really wants to talk about the fact that the Sermon on the Mount isn't just that beginning passage of Matthew 5. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all uh, a conglomerate teaching. But he goes on after saying your your righteousness must supersede or must exceed that of the Pharisees and the Torah Torah, uh, scholars. And he goes on to verse 21 and says, you've heard it said it's a syndicate murder. But I say, if you even hated somebody in your heart, you've already committed it. Uh, He goes on from there to say... 23, if you're presenting your offering and you realize that you got an issue with somebody, leave your offering there, go back and fix that relationship with that man, and then come back and make your offering. He talks about adultery, uh, fornication, says if, uh, it's great if you, you, know, you, you're supposed to, 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 not that adultery is great, but you're supposed to avoid, uh, uh, adultery. You've heard it said it's a sin to commit adultery, but I tell you, if you've even lusted after somebody in your own heart, you've already committed the sin of adultery. Uh, and he carries on and on with this, uh, you, verse 38, you've heard it said, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evildoer, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Yeshua begins to take these concepts that are Torah concepts, adultery, murder, uh, 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 eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. These are Torah concepts. And he's saying, look, yes, in the black and white of the text, this is it. Absolutely. This is what it says. But you need to understand when I say your righteousness has to supersede that of the Pharisees and the Torah scholars, what I mean is Jeremiah 31, that promise of a new covenant being etched upon the flesh of your heart. That is what I'm talking about. That is how you live your righteousness out. It's not that you stop doing the things that the Torah says to do. Right. And it's not that you do them to earn, like to prove your righteousness or earn whatever, but that if you're doing something on the outside, it Better be flowing from the work of the presence of God on the inside, from right. the etching of the the word upon the flesh of your heart. It must flow from the outside to the inside. See, adultery and and lust, murder and hatred are all dealt with in the Torah already. Neither of those four issues are brand new concepts. They're all dealt with in the Torah. What Yeshua was saying is, for every external sin, there's an internal uh, uh, sin that predicates it. And if you let me, Yeshua, handle the inside, the outside won't be a problem. And so when Yeshua says your righteousness should supersede that. 
that of the Pharisees, he puts it in context with the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and he goes into fasting. Yeah, you shouldn't fast in a way that you make everybody know you're fasting. It's between you and God. You, When you wear your CTO, you shouldn't wear them so long so that everybody looks at you. You should make sure that it's between you and God. If you're going to do this, it should be between you. And it, it's this whole thing about our life is not about putting on a show right. for other people. It's yeah. about our righteous relationship yeah. with the it, Lord, which should flow from the inside outward. Yeah, it actually, you know, earlier you quoted Matthew 5.17 where it says Yeshua didn't uh, do away with all, but to bring it to fullness. Yeah. The rest of the chapter, chapter 5 and into chapter 6, he gives examples of what it means to bring something to fullness. Yeah. In other words, as you said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he goes on to say, but if you look on a woman to lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. That's the fullness yeah. Of that commandment. So it's not that he did away with any commandment. He actually said, not only can you not do the outward, the ultimate, not only should you not commit adultery, but you shouldn't even look on someone to lust because you've already committed adultery in your heart. You shouldn't hate a murder somebody, but if you hate somebody, it's as if you already murdered them. And so he brings this to fullness in how he's doing it, which actually adds depth and heart to what he's saying and it's not you know people read it and say he didn't come to do away with the law he came to do away with the law but he actually said doesn't say that it says he didn't come to do away with all he came to full bring it to fullness or yeah. show the end game the end of the law not the finish of it but mm-hmm. what it actually means now to, to tie this all together because this episode is not just on yeshua and our relationship with the Torah, but it's it's the misinterpretation or the misunderstanding of yeshua and paul and the Torah, yeah. uh, how we live the Torah out, or should we or shouldn't we live the Torah out? And to tie this all together, we, you know, I talked about Matthew five, six, seven, the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about uh, the the Jeremiah thirty one promise of a new covenant upon the flesh of the heart. Uh, and, and then I want to tie this with Paul in Romans two, which is another passage people love to take out of context. They love to to, to twist around and make it say what they want. But Romans two verse twenty five, circumcision is indeed worthwhile if you keep the Torah. But if you break the Torah, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcised keeps the righteous decrees of the Torah, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? In other words, if the Gentile keeps the Torah because the work of salvation is active in their hearts and it flows from the inside outward naturally, uh, is that not considered circumcision in their heart and their life? Indeed, the one not circumcised physically who fulfills the Torah will judge you who, even with the written code and circumcision, break the Torah. For one is not a Jew uh, who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision something visible on the flesh. Rather, the Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart and spirit, not in letter. His praise is not from men, but from God. Paul didn't come up with the concept of the circumcision of the heart. He's quoting from Moshe, from Moses, and the Torah, and Deuteronomy, who says that the, the Lord is promising he will circumcise the flesh of your heart. The prophets talk about the circumcision of the flesh of the heart. The, excuse me, the reality of the Jeremiah 30 one promise of the new covenant is the circumcision of the heart. And Paul brings this all together and says, Yeshua talked about this. Now, when Paul was talking about this, he wouldn't have been able to go in Matthew 5.17. Yeshua said, because it didn't work that way. Like The letters were just letters at that point, including the <clears throat> Gospels. They were just letters at that point. Uh, what had been written yet. Uh, and but, but Paul is making the same exact point that's being made by Yeshua in the Sermon on the Mount. is There's an internal reality that must first be transformed. And through the transformation of the heart, the lifestyle, the practice, everything on the outside will follow suit. And so he says it's not about the circumcision of the flesh like that has an importance specifically to jewish people because of our lineage and the yeah, covenant Paul actually says yeah. what value is circumcision Everything. much in every yeah. way so circumcision on the outside has a purpose but the circumcision on the heart is what's what difference does it make if you were circumcised physically if the heart is not circumcised as well that heart should be the most important factor in that rabbi jonathan i know you wanted to, to throw in yeah some. no I, lo- I had to really ponder this question for uh, a little bit and I, and I love the question you know how do how do how does Yeshua causes to relate to the Torah uh, differently, and you know, one of the things is that it, it creates a very personal, internal, relational uh, view of piety. That you know, uh, you know, piousness before God, being before God, walking before God in godliness, in His Spirit, is something that should be uh, constant. You know, it's one of the reasons why you know you kind of you know you look at the history of like a lot of movements within Judaism to to include Messianic Judaism. You know, the word uh, Chassid. You know, Chassid is the word for you know uh, you know piety, you know, pi- pious one. 
um, if you actually study kind of what their goal is, which is to see God in everything, um, even the most mundane actions, you know, Yeshua and the Messianic movement long predate that in regards to, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeshua's teachings and and even even some of Paul's stuff. So, you know, it's this idea of that your life, you know, this spiritual transformation on the inside that happens, and then you have to continue to walk in that you have to continue to let God, you know, transform you, renew your heart, you know, daily, um, because otherwise, you know, Paul wouldn't write things about you know, don't let your heart become hardened, because you can let it become hardened. It's an, it's an active participation mm-hmm. um, with God, but also with other people around you. And so, the, you know, the Torah has now become it's more than just um, you know this thing that only a select few did, that the righteous elite did, that the priests did, or that even, you know, the the, the common person did to a certain degree in regards to cleanliness so they could go for pilgrimage festivals and, you know, how they kept uh, food and everything, relationship, you know, physical relationships. But now it has more to do with your attitude, um, your heart, your uh, how, how you're uh, treating uh, others, um, how you're enduring, how you're enduring the treatment of others, whether uh, f- towards you, whether it's good or bad, um, and it brings out this very uh, high, I would say, expectation for personal piousness everywhere uh, right. you go. Which is why, I, you know, I've worked with folks before, uh, coworkers who, avid church-going people, but outside of church, you know, sometimes it would be very difficult to detect if they were uh, believers like oh you're a follower you're a follower of jesus based on how you talked that morning to all your other co-workers or those under you i wouldn't if i was a new guy i would not have been able to detect right. that it, it reminds me of the joke of the police officer that pulls over the car that has the, the I love, honk if you love jesus bumper sticker <laughs> on it and he pulls over the guy and the guy says what's what what i do what i do he said well i just thought the car was stolen by the way you were acting it's clear this car doesn't belong to you because you can't possibly act the way you right. are and love Jesus. Yeah. You know, so it's that, that whole concept of how does somebody relate to yeah. their faith if they don't function with it. Uh, I wanted to add two things and then jump back to you. Just for clarity, when Rabbi David was reading Romans 2, the end of it says, uh, uh, one is not a Jew who is one outwardly or circumcision, something visible in the flesh. Rather, a Jew is one inwardly circumcision of the heart. We have to remember that Romans 2 was written to Jewish people. So it actually says, if you being a Jew, and then goes on from there. So this isn't saying that Gentiles who obey God become Jews. Right. And, and I just want to clear, make sure that's clear. That it's important to understand he's speaking to Jewish people about their failure in being examples to the Gentiles in chapter 2. The other thing is that our living for God has to demonstrate something that God's done in our life and and how we do that. And so when we we look at things, uh, we have to understand there's a difference between a commandment and a conviction or how we do. Or a tradition, for instance, the scripture says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Matter of fact, I've had people who say things like, I don't keep Sabbath because I don't feel convicted to do that. Well, the reality is, I don't care if you feel convicted to do it or not. It's a commandment of God. You shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Just like thou shalt not commit murder or thou shalt not commit adultery. These are commandments of God. So so that's the line. We, We don't commit adultery. Now, beyond that, how do we walk that out? For instance, there there are people that won't do certain things. Mike Pence became very well-known because he wouldn't sit down with a female reporter unless his wife was in the room. Now, that wasn't because Mike Pence couldn't control himself with a woman in his room that wasn't his wife, and he he was going to violate the adultery commandment just by having the woman in there. He just was outside of his ability, but it was because he had put his own personal convictions in place yeah. to make sure that not only did he not fall into a sin, but that nobody would look upon him yeah. and even think he might be doing that. Yeah. Avoid even the appearance of evil. Yeah. Right. Which so, kind of goes back to the idea of, of, of that you know, kind of extreme, I'll say extreme piousness. You know, that Yeshua uh, calls us to, which always, you know, there was, uh, and, and Toby can kind of can kind of relate because our backgrounds are, you know, mm. similar. You know, Protestant Christianity, right? Um, that there in in a lot, not all Protestant circles, but in a lot, there is almost this fear 
of being too involved with good works. Like there's like there's like well, if you right. get too involved with good works, you're gonna think you're like earning yourself. It's like that is like looking back now, that is the most bizarre mm-hmm. mentality to have because you know, I mean, and and it really revealed to me when I first it really began. Sorry, I shifted my seat there and it really bumped. Um, when I really began studying the words of Yeshua, like really and began taking them to heart, you know, it, there is this genuine call to being good, you know, where, yes. and, and that's kind of, it, it was so different for me because, you know, for years there was this idea and a lot of, you know, teachings in the Baptist world are like, you know, oh, you can never be good enough. You can't do good. Good is not within you. Yada, yada, yada. So don't even, you know, don't even bother. And it, it leads to, you know, this defeatist kind of mm-hmm. place and mentality where, you know, and, and look, I get it when people go, you know, it's all about Jesus. It's only, it's only Yeshua. It's all about Yeshua. Yes, Absolutely. However, if it is all about Yeshua, then you need to actually obey what Yeshua says, which is this call to be good and godly in the world that God has placed you in and the place He has placed you in. It's why when people are in extreme times of duress or stress or persecution and they still act righteously, they're recognized even by those persecuting them as being – even if the enemy has no idea what righteousness means Mm -hmm. or is, they understand that these are – "Quote unquote righteous people." Yeah, faith good among people. people in Messiah yeah. is really the only place where there's a race to mediocrity in some things. Yeah, the reason I say that is, if you work a job and you do everything you can to do the best possible job you can do, uh, nobody looks at you and goes, "Oh, you're trying to achieve this," you know. But in in the in being biblical, when people say, "I'm going to try to obey the Bible to the best of my ability." People say, oh, you're trying to work your way yeah. to achieve something. Almost like there's this competition like, or something. Yeah, like, yeah. like you almost, it's almost taught don't keep the commandments because if you keep them, then you're doing something instead of that I'm keeping the commandments because God did something. And then because, you know, I got a job, so because I got hired on the job, I'm going to do the best job I can because I have a job. Yeah, that's – um. So when we look at the script at the gospels at Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, what is the one thing that Yeshua was continuing what was the one thing that amazed him? Like, you know, cuz I-, I love parts of the of the Besorah, the uh, gospel where Yeshua reacts like, you know, where, whether he weeps or he's upset, it's just you're seeing his personality and his emotion and his character come out and he's not just this angelic being, you know, it's like we love I-, I just love seeing those moments where he's animated and and there one time, I think one of the greatest compliments that he gives a man is the Roman is is this the Roman centurion. centurion. Yeah, he go, he he goes. You don't even have to visit my house if you you can just say she's healed. And I know that is kind of. And he says, I have not seen such faith in all Israel. Yeah, and so I look at it, that little gentile. It was faith that amazed Yeshua. Not look at how that guy he does he checks every box on the Torah. That's how Yeshua changed. Now, listen, there were, God expected obedience from the heart and faith from, you know, Paul makes a point early in Romans. He goes, was Abraham circumcised when God called him? What, what did Abraham, was he circumcised when, Ab- when Abraham believed God? Was he circumcised? He goes, no. He goes, I'm trying to tell you that it, it, it's, it's a righteousness based on faith. And Yeshua is not the first time God says righteousness is based on faith, but he's the ultimate He's the exclamation point. He's the end of the sentence that says, this is why you do it. He, Yeshua ultimately became the why. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not checking boxes because where Rabbi David said earlier that Yeshua said your righteousness must be beyond that of the Pharisees. There's also the moment at his death where the thief who probably didn't follow Torah his whole life says, will you remember me? That was faith. And Yeshua yeah. goes, you're going to be with me today. Yeah. So Yeshua is saying it's about that. If you're not going to be able to, because you know Paul says the letter of the law is death. The spirit brings life. You see, people in the church see that and they think, well, that's why we don't do the Torah. It brings death. I'm like, no, it's trying to to get salvation through that brings yeah. death. It, it, it's the spirit of God through faith in Messiah Yeshua. It becomes the why you do it. So that's how Yeshua changed it. You, you bring up an interesting point. You know, you talk about like checklists, right? I think of. Uh, <laughs> 
I worked in restaurants for years and years. And when you're in restaurants, the the what, Jonathan, you've worked in restaurants. I know you have as well, Rabbi Eric. Uh, what's the what's the one thing that everybody that works in a restaurant dreads happening while they're on shift? It's the health health. Inspector uh, showing up. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, Nobody right, right. wants to be there when the health yeah, inspector the shows up with the clipboard. Yeah, yeah. But if you ever watch the health inspector, unfortunately, I've seen a ton of these. If you ever watch health inspector, they literally have a clipboard and they're checking off uh, things that are either right or wrong, and they're going down a checklist, checking things off. Right. right. Look, when we talk about uh, living our lives in accordance with the Torah, or, or more accurately, I like to say, living our lives in accordance with the fullness of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, not just the Torah, uh, but the fullness of the Word of God, we're not saying you should carry a checklist, little, you know, pad no. of checklist in your, your back pocket that every day you got to make sure you mark them all off and then start fresh next. That's not what we're talking about, and that's why this is so important. Yeah. It isn't about making sure we check off all of the obligations that must be met today. It's about making sure that our hearts are right with the Lord so that those things are innate in who we are and they yes. just happen. Yeah, if your heart is right, then your actions will be. Yep. It, right. It's the same as, you know, uh, imagine a young couple, they just got married and uh, they both want to do something. They want to be kind to their spouse. They're in love. They're they're totally overwhelmed by this new love. So, you know, cooking dinner together, washing dishes together, doing laundry, cleaning the house, all of those things are things you want to do for the other person. So the, the husband might cook dinner for his wife and, to, and, and prepare dinner and serve it. And, mm. and she comes home and he sits down. He's got candles. He's got all that going on. And they have this wonderful dinner. But if their relationship is not not good then it's like i have to do this right and and i don't want to cook and instead of a a nice dinner it becomes this burden in this thing great great point actually the love languages right love languages this everybody loves talking about the love languages and and it's a huge i mean and it really is it's really important to know what uh kind of speaks to you most what for lack of a better way of wording what ministers to you and your relationship whatever but look um if your spouse's love language is acts of service and legitimately the only reason you are washing the dishes or ironing clothes or whatever else scrubbing toilets is because of what you hope will happen in the bedroom because you showed her (laughs) there you met her love language that's a problem right Right. and that's what we're talking about that's the problem is that people uh will look at torah observance as look i'm just meeting god's love language so that i get what i want out of this i get the Mm -hmm. the heavenly reward i get the wealth i get all it's not about that right god will answer my prayer right if i do this and i just want to say the best of us fall into it guys like i have been on my first off newsflash believers still sin we still st- so. we still if if we could do it all right there would be no I, need for a messiah right i, I honestly think <laughs> I, I know this is a terrible statement and i think that our conversation about what went down in orlando with the sbc a few years back is yeah, on we go I, I think that it's the body of messiah that keeps the porn industry alive in a lot of ways i mean yeah. it's a terrible thing to right. think about it is yeah, we just talked about that and matter of fact rabbi jonathan for his birthday is mm-hmm. uh, asking people to donate to this what's it called it's called fight the new drug fight the new drug right. thing yeah. because it is such a, a thing and, and even in in the Bible, we see that that it teaches that that it, that se- sexual sin is so bad that there's a point at which you pray that the body would be taken over by the evil one, so that the soul might be saved. It it's such a serious right. thing, yeah. but but these things are are things we need to understand and 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 relate to. But our relationship should drive our actions, not our actions driving our relationship. Yeah. Sorry to mean to derail you there, Toby, totally no, you said okay. that, and I, I think it was a very valid point. No, I was simply saying that it was because what I'm saying is, is that I have been long after my relationship began with Messiah Yeshua, long after I became justified, and that's the thing. We're justified. Your justification is sealed. The, my Torah observance is about my sanctification. I'm learning. It has nothing to do with my justification, but I have been on my face before the Lord confessing sin or acknowledging sin, which you should still do. Yeah. But the question is, I have had God ask me while I'm on my face, why are you doing this? And I'm like, God said, are you doing it because you want to reconnect with me? Because I've loved, because I love you and it's ar- I've already taken care of it, son. He goes, or are you doing this because you think if you don't acknowledge it, I'm going to throw you into the fire? Yeah. And that's 
that's what Yeshua changes. And and when I look at Paul, I feel bad for him. I'm thankful for Apostle Paul, but I feel bad for him because he's taken out of context so much. He saw these congregations he planted. Some of them were going off the rails because they got back into, we've got to do this tourist stuff to be saved. And yeah. Paul's grabbing them by the collar and saying, who told you that? Yeah. And he's and and because he's being so strong in his language about how the Torah does not bring salvation, people take that and run with it and say, "Well, then let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater." Right. Yeah. It's it's really important to understand that Paul says things like the just shall live by faith and and that it's it's not faith don't do this but because your works aren't going to save you right. but he also says i'm a pharisee of the pharisees mm-hmm. and it's not that he's uh schizophrenic or or divided it's that both things are accurate that that we should abide by what god says but do it because he's our god and we love him not because we're trying to earn something right. and we don't have to understand the purpose of the commandment or the purpose of the reason to be obedient to it right you know I, I tell people all the time that i think making a bed is one of the most ridiculous things there is you're just going to sleep in it again you're just going to mess it up I, now i understand changing sheets and clean and all that but my wife likes Change to have sheets yeah my wife likes to have the bed made so if i'm the last one out of bed in the morning i make the bed before i leave the room not because i understand her reason for wanting it done but because i love my wife and I want to bless her and her to see it done. But I guess that explains why it is that I notice you're always the first one out of bed and out in the living room. I'm <laughs> like almost every always day. the first one out of bed. <laughs> no, I, but if I'm not, I make the bed. Now, I don't have to understand her purpose. Mm-hmm. Just like we don't have to understand all the intricacies of why God wants us not to do certain things yeah. or to do certain things. Mm-hmm. What we do have to understand is that if we love God, we'll keep his commandments. It is an expression of our love, which is why Yeshua said those words. If yeah. you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yeah. It's not about understanding, and, and I remember having a conversation with my mom one time uh, who uh, was raised keeping kosher, and then she stopped keeping kosher, and uh, I, we were talking, and she said, well, the only reason God said not to eat pork was because we didn't know how to cook it right, and so now we know how to cook it so we can eat it, and I said, does that mean we can have safe sex now, you know, uh, commit adultery and fornication, because now we know how to safely do that so disease won't be spread? Right. And she said, no, that's ridiculous, and, and the point is, it, it's not the reason for doing or not doing mm-hmm. something. It's simply that God said, please don't do this. Don't do these things or do these things. And because we love him, we line up with that, not to earn anything or not to be redeemed, but because we have a deep and abiding love with him. I want to right. toss two thoughts out real quick. One is, you know, in, in piggybacking on what you were just saying, that's I love the idea in Torah of Chochim. Right of of uh, commandments that are super irrational, like we don't necessarily understand why the the irrational, the, uh, the yeah irrational. Sorry, the the um, the the red heifer, right? Which we have God said do this. It makes no sense. Like how does a, a process that makes every single person involved in the process unclean somehow make the one person it's for clean? It makes no sense at all. But it doesn't matter if we understand it. We follow it. We I mean, there's no temple saying so we're not following it now. But but we follow it simply because God said to do it. It's like when I ask my kids to do something, they say why? Right? What is every parent's response almost every time their kid says why? Because I told you so. Right? A chukim or a chok is God's way of saying because I told you. You don't need to understand. Just because I told you so, do this. Now, with that said, I, I want to tie this back in. One of the, the major concepts we're dealing with is the misinterpretation of Pauline writings in reference to obedience to the Torah, right? So Second Peter 3, uh, Paul or Peter deals specifically with this. Now, I, I, I would like to sit down and do research and figure out the time frame of when Peter's writing this, because obviously Peter and Paul have a bit of a falling out at some point, and whether they actually ever restore relationship or not, we don't really know. Paul makes reference to this uh, falling out in Galatians, but nonetheless, in, in 2 Peter 3, uh, verse 14, Peter says, Therefore, loved ones, while you are looking for these things, make every effort to be found in shalom, spotless and blameless before him. Bear in mind that the patience of our Lord means salvation, just as our dearly loved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom given to him. 
he speaks about these matters in all of his letters. Some things in them are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist, as they also do with the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. Mm -hmm. Since you already know all this, loved ones, be on your guard so that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your sure footing. Instead, keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so here is Peter, uh, who walked hand in hand with Mashiach in ministry for three years plus until uh, uh, Yeshua was put on the cross, spent uh, another 40 days kind of interacting with him on and off again before his ascension, was there when the Ruach HaKodesh was poured out in Acts 2, was there in Acts 15 with the Jerusalem Council, it was the first uh, of the, 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 the Shechim to the nations when he goes to Cornelius' house in Acts 10, and so on and so forth. This guy was right there, right? He was in the midst of everything. And here is Peter saying, listen guys, you got to understand Paul is saying the stuff that you're not necessarily understanding the way he's intending for it to be. And there are those who will try to lead you astray. They're ignorant, they're unstable, and they will twist Paul's words as they do with the rest of Scripture to make it say what they want it to say to their own destruction. And he says, by the way... If you follow these teachings that are taking Paul's words and twisting them and taking them out of context to say what they want, it's not only to their destruction, it will be to yours as well, which is why he says, since you already know all this, loved ones, be on guard so that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your sure footing. He wouldn't be talking about Paul's words being taken out of context and twisted, following that with the words by don't fall into the error of lawlessness, yeah. if he recognizes that what Paul is in fact saying is not toss the tar out because it doesn't matter anymore, right. but that there's something on a more deep, intimate heart level uh, with the Lord that is involved in what Paul's well, talking about with our obedience. Yeah. You have to remember, too, that the, the body of Messiah, from its onset, began to fight a battle with... Um, you know, a lot of Gnostic sects within the um, surrounding regions of uh, you know, the Middle East, Asian area, and you know, there, there's two camps largely in that um, in the Gnostic way of doing things. The one is, you know, it's very ascetic uh, uh, asceticism, which is, you know, everything's it's got to look shiny and bright and for show. Um, you know, whether it's fasting and letting it basically, and when Yeshua kind of fights that battle too, you know, there's this like, you know, yeah, you're not supposed to fast and that, you know, gloomy face and everyone knows that you're fasting and that you're this, you know, such a holy person because you're fasting for God. Uh, the other is libertinism, which is the exact opposite, which is sort of, you know, which is kind of this like the lawless behavior. It's like, no, Paul is not saying, you know, you can, yeah, you don't have to keep the law. So, you know, sexual immorality. Free, free game. Have at it. You know, no, he's saying, you know, you're supposed to obey the Torah because you love God. You're involved in a relationship with God through Messiah now who's redeemed you to live in a, in a higher place, especially writing to Gentiles who, you know, in the Gentile world, sexual morality um, was not was the, very fluid. Very fluid. You know, it was, you know, kind of in a similar way, similar to today um, and how with the kind of the situation we're dealing with in America culturally right now where there's just, it's a kind of come what may and you can do whatever you want sleep with whoever you want you can you know even uh, sleep with the same sex that kind of thing so it, it's all very uh, much a different culture even you know coming from a gentile culture roman culture greek grecian culture to a way something that's based upon the, uh, the lifestyle that the god of the bible in states for his people to live according to so you know uh, you know I, I can see peter talking about that here like don't let People take Paul's words and twist them, call you into lawlessness, into living way outside of God's will for your life. What is godly? What is righteous and holy? Because someone brought some Gnostic idea to you, some something that was saying, well, see, Paul says you don't have to really be that strict about, you know. Uh, what you're doing and who you're hanging out with. It's like, no, I would, I would, I would disagree. I think Peter's saying exactly <laughs> what he says he's saying is that you know don't let people twist these words into bringing you down into sin. Yeah, I think Paul's fear was that, uh, like the Galatians, for example, were were going from a Messiah-centered obedience to a a Messiah-centered Torah observance to a self-righteous-based uh, Torah observance, works-based, mm -hmm. however you want to say it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that um, if if you observe the Torah. You, it has to be Messiah centered. Yeah, it has to be. 
Because the moment you start thinking, and 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 you know, and that happens so often, and I've seen it happen, you know, over in my years in Messianic Judaism with people that they do get so caught up in the little things that they have to do. This is all Torah, and this is Torah, and this is Torah, and we're called to do Torah, and we're called to do Torah, and we're called to do Torah. I'm like, okay, yes, of course, that's that's so am I, but be careful because the moment you start. It becomes about, well, we're doing this, and we're doing this, and we're doing this, and we're doing this, and we're doing this, right. and we're separating the meat and the dairy, and we're doing this, and we're doing this. And the next thing you know, you start thinking, it's the, it's like you're 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 on a parachute, yeah. and you, you start thinking, wait a minute, I, I think if I cut these strings, I think I can fly. And, you know, Yeshua's like the parachute. He, he gets us to the destination. He allows us to, he brings us through. What I'm saying is we're able to make that leap into Torah observance with the parachute of Yeshua. But as soon as we snip that parachute, you know, and think we can fly, that's when we fall. And I've seen people absolutely do it. And what I mean by that is, yes, I have seen people in Messianic synagogues walk away from Messiah when they get obsessive over these over the Torah. Yeah. In an unhealthy manner. Right. Well, in a very, I would call it an aesthetic manner. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, One of the verses from the Torah, or the Tanakh actually, from Psalms, that people use to uh, share this opinion that Paul did away with Torah, that he did away with law, that we don't have to follow it, comes from Psalms 51 where it says this, uh, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth would declare your praise, for you would not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. Nor be pleased by burnt offerings, the sacrifice of God, our broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And people stop right there. And if you stop right there, just like if you read Paul's writings out of context, it sounds very much like God didn't want sacrifices at all. All he wanted was humble spirits. And and we get into this this grace and love versus law mentality. But the chapter goes on in the last verse, uh, last few verses, in your favor... Do good to Zion, build up the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. So the Lord's talking, if you read the whole Psalms, it's about people who aren't living for God out of love. And and doing sacrifice, doing offerings, but doing it for the wrong reason, with the wrong motivation, yeah. and that that's unpleasing to God. But when everything is done the right way, then it does please God for us to be obedient to Him. And so, likewise, when Paul teaches, he's teaching you can't just obey your way to heaven. Right. You have to love your way into a relationship with God and then be obedient. And that God doesn't want just a sacrifice for the wrong reason. He doesn't want you to do something just because it's the have-to-do thing, but right. he wants you to do it because your love for him overwhelms you to a point of which you're obedient to him in what he desires. The last thing I'm, I'm going to share, you know, I know we're getting heavy on time, but the last thing I'm going to share is, is really a question I would have for someone who feels like the Torah doesn't matter. The last thing that Yeshua said to his disciples is the Great Commission. The last thing he said was, go and make disciples Tell of the nation. Demon. Go and make disciples. My question to someone who thinks that the Torah doesn't matter anymore would be this. Okay. So after someone comes in faith, come to, comes to faith in Messiah Yeshua, what are you going to disciple them with? Are you going to disciple them with twenty five percent of the Bible, which is the Gospels to end Revelation, which in, which was all based on the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament? You're going to disciple them with the Scriptures. Of course, they're going to say that. Well, we're going to use the Bible. Of course, you are. And what are you going to use? You're going to use the Word of God. And what do you, so? And what do disciples do? They do what their teacher did. And yeah. see, for me, and that goes back to something we've talked about many times in our episodes. Why, when people ask me, because I'm not Jewish, so why do you do this stuff? And I simply say, I'm simply doing what the Messiah did. It's not about being Jewish. It's about doing what the Messiah did. I love him. And you know what? If I'm walking behind him on a beach... I want to step in every one of his footsteps. I want to step exactly how he stepped. I don't always do it, but I'm trying. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, what are you going to disciple people with? And this is why I think, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a bold statement, but I think the reason why the, 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 the modern day church struggles with discipleship is a lack of Torah observance. <laughs> they um, <laughs> Failing to disciple failing to teach. Yeah. Well, that's why you ask somebody, <clears throat> you ask almost any believer today, 
What does a life as a Christian or as a believer or whatever else you want to, what does that look like? And generally speaking, you get very, very, very surface level answers. Yeah, general. Just being nice to people. Well, just be a good person. Just listen to the voice of God. Just read the word. Just just pray. Well, I have to say. But there's no actual change in lifestyle and practice. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I was, when I was first kind of steering into becoming messianic years ago, um, I was like, I had for years kind of been battling that question in my mind like man what am i supposed to be doing like, i like that you say years ago like you're some middle-aged dude looking back at yeah, the yeah, of life. <laughs> which by the way i did just turn 27 so now you know it's another, like when your seven-year-old says back in the day back in the day yeah i'll be saying back in the day for years years i mean i do this weird thing with time and then Catherine will tell you and and the office everyone in the office will tell you that they have to ask me sometimes when i say like yeah well we haven't done that in a minute like because from when i say that it means anywhere between 10 minutes ago to yeah. up to like two years. So if I say well, it's been a minute, you but, know, but getting back to your point, I'm sorry. I just want to say, you know, it just, it's not like it just dawned on me, but Yeshua never said that the Torah was only for the Jewish people. He never said that the Torah wasn't for everybody. Yeah. I mean, no, excuse, yeah, he never said that. Yeah. I think it was just his assumption. I think if someone were to ask you, he's like, what are you nuts? Of course, God's works for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think it was kind of like, ask. it would be kind of like saying, you know, uh, should we be hydrated? You know? Yeah, yeah. Should you drink? Should you drink water? I think you used the example should one time. Should you breathe? Should you take medicine when you're sick? You know, or vitamins? You know, it's like, yeah. of course. I think it was just part of the yeah. understanding that making disciples meant teaching the Torah. Yeah, but tra- train up people in godly behavior. Any who will come, which is and, where you get, and you get that from the Torah. Yeah, the written yeah. Torah. So I hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you, and if it has, I hope that you'll share it with other people on your social media, etc. Also, if you have a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like for us to discuss on a future episode, please comment uh, on our Facebook page or on our YouTube channel, and we'll try to uh, cover it in the future. Thank you so much for joining us, and shalom. Thank you for listening to the Messiantics Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. And be sure to follow and interact with us on social media at Messiantics Podcast.